Here's a live look at what my Be Real would look like on any given day. Riveting stuff, I know. So Be Real is the new social media trend du jour. It is taking off with pretty impressive momentum among Gen Z users, especially here in the United States. My question is whether or not Be Real is going to totally usurp Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, insert any multi-billion dollar social media company here. I asked this question of Casey Lewis, who is this incredible writer, reporter, curator, who follows Gen Z trends in a newsletter that I personally love called After School. You're about to hear this interview with Casey. We're going to talk about Be Real. We're going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about Gen Z trends because the youths matter and what they think is cool matters. What they decide is culture matters. So that's what today's interview is all about. I loved this conversation. Be Real is such an interesting microcosm of so many bigger trends that are affecting us as internet users today. So I can't wait for you to hear it and I hope you enjoy. Well, Casey, thank you so much for joining me today. I would love if we could just get started by learning a little bit more about you. Introduce yourself to the class. Uh, thank you for having me, Kenzie. Uh, so I write After School, which is a daily youth culture uh, substack. Uh, it's a link heavy, uh, you know, light on the analysis, um, some commentary here and there, but really uh, started it to just get a handle on all of the youth culture trends that are happening every single day. And um, I think about it as sort of like an extension of my brain. Like I can't possibly remember all of these brand campaigns and TikTok trends. So it's just sort of my um, like my like hack to like, you know, I can't keep it in here, so I'll keep it there. Um, and I come from a media background. I worked at Teen Vogue, MTV, New York Magazine. Um, yeah, I think that's it. And yeah. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial covering okay. Gen Z and youth trends. But you know, something uh, interesting is I, even in college, when I was a youth myself, uh, studied youth trends at Y-Pulse, which is uh, like a consumer insights agency. So I've always been interested in studying youth trends even before Gen Z was like the cool thing. Yeah, um, it's back then with millennials. It's super interesting to hear that because I think for for so many people who are probably listening to this, they understand the value of those Gen Z insights as mostly a marketing tool so that brands can reach younger consumers and create, you know, that that brand loyalty and like a lifetime consumer of insert any product here. But I think it goes, it's so much more than that. It's bigger than that when we consider the fact that regardless of what generation we're talking about, the the youth culture is what drives culture. <laughs> that is that is who are we are turning to as the arbiters of what's cool, what's not cool. Um, and that's an important group of people to, to understand. There's a lot to, uh, to talk about when it comes to the Gen Z culture in general. Um, and that is part of why we're doing this today is because you wrote about something uh, and, and it's been in your newsletter several times over the last couple of months here that I find to be incredibly interesting. And that is the company Be Real. Uh, so if you could, Casey, just explain to me what Be Real is. Um, and I think mo most importantly, how it differs from some of what we might consider to be its peers. So what is Be Real? So Be Real basically asks asks users every day to post unfiltered photos of themselves. Um, two photos. One is with your front-facing camera. One is with your back-facing camera. Candid, um, unvarnished of you know what you're doing in the moment. 
and you can retake the photos, but it will alert your friends, therefore sort of like ruining your cred, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you can also do it later than the prompt, but it also lets your friends know that as well. So it really rewards you to sort of answer the prompt in the moment. You know, it it's it's like poking you and saying like, I need your attention now. And um, it's caught on, like somehow it's caught, as, as like silly as it is, in, as the premise is, um, because it's like not that different than Snapchat, really. Right. Like Snapchat um, in many ways is like about candidness and moments with your friends. And, um, but something about this window and um, I think because it doesn't demand that much from people and it's it's sort of a limited window, um, yeah, it's, it's caught on. To your point, this isn't entirely that different from some of the other social media platforms that we've had for, in some cases, a decade at this point. But the, the pace with which Be Real has taken over the conversation, especially among Gen Z users, is really astounding. It was founded in 2020, but by April of this year had an estimated 7.41 million downloads, which is a lot of downloads, um, mostly in, I, from what I understand, France and the United States. But I, I want to understand how this plays into the way that Gen Z likes their social media to, to happen, right? Because I'm starting to see more and more that Be Real is being grouped into Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Be Real. It's, it's that this app is now kind of gaining momentum within this bigger peer group of more established social media platforms and social media companies. And I think that is in large part because this really plays into what Gen Z wants out of social media. So can you explain a little bit more what it is that they want? What is the context behind Be Real uh, with its very simple premise taking off among this younger group of, of users? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is when you we really get into the generational nuances of, you know, uh, millennials versus Gen Z versus customers, because I think millennials think about, you know, since Facebook days, we wanted to present a very polished um, version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And early days of Instagram, I was thinking about this ahead of our conversation. Early days of Instagram, I remember I moved to New York in 2010, and my Instagram from that time was like the most random, like, you know, terrible photo, like bad quality. And that was kind of what people did. But then very quickly it changed into this, um, I, I don't know if it was fashion bloggers, I, just influencers sort of took hold and they changed the entire, uh, the entire experience of the app and aesthetic of the app. And um, suddenly everyone was posting as if they were influencers, basically. You know, you like, it's super polished. It's, it's, if it's not Photoshopped, it looks like it could be. And um, I think Gen Z just like really rejects that. All, you know, they don't want, they, they're not like willing to play that game. Yeah. And I think they really do want um, imperfect and candid and, um, fun. And I think that's why TikTok has been such a success, but TikTok is not a perfect platform. You know, I think it's so interesting to see TikTok sort of like growth and brands getting on it and older people getting on it. And I think that older people will eventually shift what TikTok is if they haven't already. I mean, they have already, mm -hmm. but I think that the, the TikToks, the, t the accounts that are really successful are the ones that are 
almost shitposting, right? Like they are, I was talking to a Gen Z founder who said that for a week she was posting like 10 times a day, just like random stuff. And she saw like tons of growth then because it it really does reward like randomness and uh, the opposite of Instagram basically. Right, yeah. And I think Be Real taps into that but in a different way, because TikTok does ask a lot of you, which like you have TikTok, you know, you're on TikTok, you know that like, it takes a long time to make content that looks imperfect and like hits, you know, it, it's sort of like, um, you know, dressing to seem as if you're not trying hard often is even more, takes more work than dressing to see if you, you know, than, than putting in an effort. Yeah. Um, so, I think that Be Real is successful in that it is not asking a lot, but I do, I do think like it's, it's going to have to grow. It's going to have to continue growing, like not to get ahead of this conversation here, but they're not monetizing right now. They have all of this growth. They're not thinking about monetization. That's fine. You know, like that, that's the stage that they're in, but they're going to have to, and (laughs) that's going to change things. Like, and it's going to change things fundamentally. This conversation is perfectly timed because last night New York Times published an article and it was called uh, Be Real is the Right Kind of Boring. And it was definitely written by a, like an elder millennial, I would say. And so it was interesting to see his perspective, but he said that it feels more like a, Be Real feel, feels more like a group activity than a full-fledged social platform. It's a low-stakes diversion. It's a game. And that made me think it's more really like um, like HQ trivia. Like everyone has to stop what they're doing and play and do this thing. And it's a fun diversion for a little bit. And then it's sort of like, okay, you know, like Wordle too. I mean, yeah. in, in a less like, you know, I think HQ trivia is more like a, a good comparison. But um but I think it's fleeting is all, uh, all that's to say. Yeah, I think this this brings up a really, really interesting uh, kind of line of, of thinking here about the ways that these platforms mature. To your point, the early days of Instagram, I remember when I got it, I, I think if, if and I, I don't ask anybody to do this, but I think if you scroll all the way back to my first Instagram posts, <laughs> it's like a picture of my eye or like a boarding pass, you know, or like a plate of spaghetti. I think I've had a picture of my yeah. cat. Like to me, this was a photo editing app that allowed me to do fun, cool things with my pictures that were pretty much at the time spaghetti and yeah. cats, you know? And then all of a sudden, I think it, it you know, is, is a, a perfect indicator of the ways that millennials have taken these platforms and shaped them into these really convoluted, things we had the the perfect millennial pink aesthetic and like the girl boss era and everything and like succulents you know millennials have this very specific vibe that is highly curated that is very specific to what looks good on the internet and that is just so not the case with with gen z we've seen the rise of things like i hate this word but like photo dumps happening and people want to be a little bit more casual but there is there is a performative nature in that casual aesthetic and i i have even seen many strong arguments that it's more difficult to curate a a perfectly unaesthetic aesthetic than it is to curate a one specific photo to post on your grid that you have to constantly be living a life that's worth photographing and that's a ton of pressure 
But I think that if we consider it more a game than something that could become the next Instagram, I'm not sure what that says about the longevity of Be Real, but I think it does offer us a, an alternative to Be Real kind of becoming the next Instagram or Facebook or insert any large social platform here. So as it scales, what do you see happening for Be Real? Do you think it is going to go the way of HQ Trivia, which is you know effectively into the ground? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's tricky, right? Because um, I think that, especially coming out of the pandemic, people are kind of hungry for those kind of like social interactions. Mm-hmm. But I've been reading, so how I became familiar with Be Real is um, I started seeing headlines bubble up on on university, like school newspapers. And so like Harvard, like all these different schools started publishing it before, publishing about it before like Wall Street Journal, you know, Wall Street Journal published something on it like a couple of weeks ago. And so it's, I, I think I, like two or three months ago, it started really bubbling up on like, you know, university school newspapers. And I think there are real downsides to it. And, and young people are seeing that. Like if you're in the library studying for, an exam and your friends are out partying together like it there's some real like FOMO aspects to it that Instagram you know TikTok like so many of these other platforms you know there a lot of like it breeds FOMO and so that makes me wonder can they can they somehow you know change that can they because if you are feeling bad about a platform you're not going to keep opening it right you're not going to continue you like maybe one time you leave the app feeling bad and then you open it again the next time like second time you're not gonna you're not gonna keep like hurting yourself right um so i do think that that is a kind of a element that they're gonna have to overcome somehow there's tons of elements to overcome though such as monetization um so i i mean i think i can't see a path forward to how they can integrate ads or like I like it can't be a subscription business. No one's going to pay a fee. Maybe they'll upsell it in some way. Like I think about Bumble, which used to maybe I'm making this up, but it seems like it, they used to let you if you they would upcharge you to be able to keep matches for longer than 24 hours or, you know, like um, upselling yeah. on, like in will they charge like people the visibility. To, yeah. So I, I do wonder if they can uh make money that way but if their customers are primarily young people like i just don't see it happening um yeah but who knows i mean it's it certainly is i think a, an interesting <laughs> i don't know i maybe i'm sounding like a boomer now like an interesting parable for the post pandemic startup ecosystem. Um, you know, Be Real, part of also why we're talking about this is because Be Real just raised a big round. Their valuation is like $600 million right now. And it's not small potatoes investors who are getting in on this. We're talking about major investment firms um, that have, in, in many cases, backed a lot of these big social media platforms in the past decade and a half. Um, this has taken off in such an interesting way. And it's been so quick. And the pace has been so unimaginable. But now it's kind of at this, this crossroads of where do we go next? And I think that in many ways that is going to be the case for a lot of, of not just social media startups that were founded during the pandemic or in the, the months following the initial um, start of the of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but it's kind of like, okay, well, well, now what? And who gets to make that decision, I think is going to be a really inter- 
interesting um, kind of thread to pull on. We are seeing the big investment firms get in with their big checks, and I'm sure they have all sorts of coaches who are trying to help these like old white dudes who are in their 60s figure out what Gen Z wants and what they can do to to best win over this audience. Um, but I'm curious, in in your mind, who makes that decision of where this goes next? You know, obviously the company is, I would like to to think, uh, has a little bit of self determination. But do you think it's going to be more uh, that that be real or any company that we could kind of insert here? Is it going to be, um, you know, decided upon that this trajectory by the people who are backing it with money or by the users themselves? Do you think that those two have competing interests? For sure. I mean, I think when you bring in Andreessen, you know, when you bring in institutional investors into this kind of, you know, and it's easy to see why they would jump, the, why they would write checks for this, right? Like. Everyone wants to understand what young consumers are doing. This app has all of them on it. And it, it makes me wonder like, what kind of product roadmap do they have? Do, do investors care about monetization? Right now, no, definitely not. But like, it, I, I think they must have a big plan up their sleeve and um, must be actively working on ways to introduce, like they have to expand upon this idea, right? Like. Any day now, Instagram or TikTok could launch a feature that replicates this exact behavior. Any day. Right. And I'm sure Instagram, I'm sure Facebook is like actively work, Meta is actively working on it. But so, you know, I, I think if their vision is, I think they must have a huge vision. And that's why all these institutional investors have hopped on. Because if they didn't have a larger vision than what it currently is, I don't, like 600, you know, I, I just don't know how they could have raised a Series B at, yeah. with that evaluation. I, I completely agree. There has to be something in that pitch deck and like, ugh, whoever gets that first is going to yeah. be a lucky reporter. Um, but I'm sure there's something in the deck that, that suggests that there is more to be real than just posting um, yeah. these, these, you know, maybe candid, maybe not candid photos during, you know, every day and, and the, the game of be real. Um, but you bring up a really interesting point about copycats in tech. And this has always existed. This is kind of just the the playbook of Silicon Valley is that you copy what other people are doing because it seems to make money. The thing about that, though, is that that rarely works out the way that I think a lot of the executives think it's going to work out. When you think about Instagram reels trying to compete against TikTok, like I'm a pro TikTok, I'm very much pro TikTok. I'm a TikTok user and my friends will send me something on Instagram reels because they don't use TikTok. And I'm like, I saw that like six weeks ago, like, OK, boomer, you know, like way to go. So creative. But people are all also kind of that way about memes that start on Twitter and then they make their way to Instagram on the Instagram meme pages. And everybody's like, yeah, I already saw that, you know, and they, they can never quite pull it off, I think is, is the point here, when these larger tech companies copy something that has captured the the zeitgeist and captured their attention. Do you think any of them could capture what Be Real has captured right now? And if so, which of the tech platforms would be the one to be able to pull that off? That's a really good question. I think what Be Real has is that it feels like a safe space away from these other apps. So it would be really hard for these apps to replicate that experience within their apps, which mm -hmm. already feel like very loud. Um, like I could see Snapchat coming closest, but I just don't think people use Snapchat in that way anymore. And like the ship has sailed. So I think if, 
if Be Real had existed when Snapchat was still like kind of king before TikTok, you know, when TikTok was still musically and all that, then I think that they could have had a chance to, to do that. Mm. Um, and I think Snapchat is an interesting example too, because uh, I didn't see their path towards monetization when they first started, right? Like they didn't have the Discover page. They, I mean, they are a huge company and they're doing a lot of interesting, innovative things that are not like, you know, beyond the app. Um, so it's possible that Be Real has those big aspirations like that. Um, so one thing I did want to talk with you about is Snapchat comes up to my mind as like the most, you know, like easy comparison. But I was reading another piece written by Gen Zer, and I can't remember if it was a college newspaper or like a like more traditional media company. But this Gen Zer compared it to Tumblr hmm. and the 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 Tumblr zeitgeist and how it gave her feelings of when Tum when everyone was on Tumblr loving Tumblr and the you know Tumblr was the moment and I thought that was super interesting because I would not have come up with that comparison myself but Tumblr like happened a little bit after I was like aged out of that right um were you a tum like do you have anything any thoughts so I was not allowed to have Tumblr <laughs> so I d I don't Mark, know a ton yeah. about it I'm like I yeah. I loathe that I wasn't allowed to because I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan and Taylor Swift is like the Tumblr power user and oh I feel God. like I missed yeah. out on a whole era of Taylor anyway no I, I did not have Tumblr um but I, I think that maybe I guess the the comparison could be that this is a bit more of like the unfiltered train of thought that Tumblr had yeah Interesting. I, that that's basically where the comparison began and ended um and this piece was like largely not favorable like about be real and was like focusing more on the toxic parts. And mm -hmm. um, I actually just pulled it up because I wanted to make sure that I was remembering correctly. Um, it was the tab, which is like that student student news website. And it, it, this particular piece was written by um, someone in the UK and all of the college students that she speaks to are in the UK as well. And I think they've had it a little bit longer than US students. So that makes me wonder, is that, are, are US students just a little be, bit behind that? And they're talking about how it's toxic in terms of like the pressure to perform in that moment, which is interesting, right? Because it feels low pressure to us as a, you know, talking about it as a concept. Um, but one of the kind of pull quotes from a student is, it feels urgently stressful. And I think that's because, you know, it, it hits you with the emojis and it says like time to be real, like, and you have to react. And I think um, even that push notification feels like a poke, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a really interesting, especially to to kind of juxtapose that with the idea that this is an escapist social media, that you're getting away from the toxicity on Facebook and Instagram. Um, because in, in many ways, you know, while those tools or, or platforms were designed specifically to keep you on for as long as possible, like that is how at the end of the day, Facebook and Instagram make money is to keep you scrolling. When you think about Be Real, it's not necessarily that they want to keep you on there forever. In fact, they don't want you to use it unless it's the time to use it, right? But when it's time, like you you best get to, to posting. And I think that is, is really interesting. It's not necessarily the length of time, but the specific urgency of doing something in a, in a very obvious moment is, I would argue, something to escape as well. That doesn't sound 
great to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a user, but um, yeah. I, I wonder if that really is the the escape that we, you know, we Gen Zers in the United States are, are labeling it as. Yeah. You know, I think the most interesting thing about Be Real catching on at this rate with Gen Z specifically shows, it, it, it proves that there is a an interest and enthusiasm for new social platforms. Mm -hmm. Like TikTok isn't doing it for people anymore. Like the fact that they have had so many downloads, they've grown like 300% since the beginning of the year, something like that. It's like primarily among young people. Like that just shows there is like, there is something, you know, there it, it, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, like that it's not enough for young people. They want something different that those platforms aren't doing for them. Um, I don't really think Be Real is like the be all end all for, but I do think it's kind of exciting when you think about it because it like does present an, a business opportunity. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard to get young people to download your apps, but once you can like kind of like infiltrate, and I think if I'm not mixing Be Real up with another app, I think they, um, part of their growth was by going to like frat houses and sorority houses and just the classic like bumble, like growth strategy, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like the fact that that is still oh, the way that people are like successfully growing is it's insane. It's crazy. Um, it's really, it's giving me like yeah. yik yak vibes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm glad you brought that up though, because it's like, how many yik yaks have we seen? Like yeah. house part, like there's just been so many oh, that have party. been like, yeah. <laughs> there's so many and I forget. Is, yeah, I know. And is Be Real gonna be one we forget? I personally think it could be. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 certainly an interesting uh, prediction to try to make. I don't, I don't know, maybe it was like, it was very much a big deal when I was in college. I don't know for everybody watching this, but Yik Yak was like, and I, from what I understand, Yik Yak is trying to make a comeback now, but Yik Yak was effectively a place where you could just like shit talk anonymously. And it was incredibly toxic. People were terrible. I went to like an incredibly small school. There are, were 450 people in my graduating class. Everybody was on Yik Yak and everybody was being gossiped about on Yik Yak. And it was terrible. No, like that, It was awful, no. you know? And like, it, it was really, really toxic um, and nobody liked it. Like everybody just did it because everybody else was doing it. But I, I remember writing a story for one of my early reporting classes. I think it was like my sophomore year of college. And I just randomly DM'd the founder and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll give you an interview. And I got to talk to him, which was awesome. But in, I remember so clearly that they didn't really have a plan. Like there, there was no future casting going on at Yik Yak. Everybody was kind of just enjoying the moment and enjoying the yeah. momentum that was happening at this company. Like, wow, we didn't expect this to happen when we went to a bunch of frat houses and told them to talk about the girls that they hooked up with the night before, you know, like, well, okay, maybe you should have thought ahead there. Um, and I would like to think that this is a different kind of trajectory seeing as we've got, you know, Andreessen in the mix here um, for Be Real, yeah. that maybe they do have something planned like like we were talking about before something up their sleeve but I think this yeah. also kind of speaks to and you know again I'm gonna sound like a boomer but like our shrinking attention spans are scaling up in such monumental ways you know it's not just 
that we want to watch a six second TikTok and keep scrolling. Like it's it's more than that. It's that we're we're talking about fortunes being made and lost because we want to try something new. Um, that's kind of interesting to me. And and it's it's not to fault anybody. I think we're all guilty of it. But um, I kind of wonder if is there a top to this market if we're talking about the the addition of new social platforms all the time, um, many of which will certainly not succeed, especially when we consider that they're going up against the most valuable companies in the world. It's just, it's crazy to think how many new ones there are all the time. You know, if six months from now, Casey, we get together and chat about something, is it going to be Be Real or is it going to be whatever Be Real 2.0 is? It's, it's astounding. It is. It is. And it's exciting, right? Like that's what makes this space so exciting to like look at, to observe, not mm-hmm. to be in. Like I don't want to be a fo- an app founder. Like I know how hard it is to get people to download your app. It's like really hard. And the fact that they have succeeded is like, I think a huge step for, you know, that's maybe more impressive than having Andreessen as a, yeah, you know, that people are downloading. <laughs> but, um, and I do wish them, like, I think it's cool. I think what they're doing is awesome. Like, I hope that they, it feels so antithetical to, to everything that's happening with Facebook and Instagram. And, um, I hope they, I hope that they learn, they figure out how to sort of grow and monetize and yeah yeah well we're we're definitely gonna have to return to this one and see I think I'm gonna I'm gonna download be real I don't know if any of my friends are on it but I'm gonna download it and I'm going to see what it's all about because this is just it's interesting I got to go out and do my in the field reporting um but Casey this has been so fantastic I'm so grateful for your insight this you know I think is we've got to hit on so many big topics here beyond just be real raise some money um which is a a perfect testament to the work that you do it's not just you know headlines it's not just curation you are doing a real service with uh, after school and i'm so glad that i got to have you on and, and hear what you have to say thank you so much for having me kenzie this was so fun